Welcome back to Just Scrap Radio on BJPen.com. I'm your host, Cole Sheldon, episode 53. We got a good lineup for you ahead of UFC Vegas 39. We're first joined by one half of the main event in Mackenzie Dern to preview her main event fight against Marina Rodriguez. This is my first time actually talking to Mackenzie. A really good chat about how this fight kind of came together, how she kind of figured after her last win she would be getting a main event, how she kind of knew Marina would be that opponent. Kind of dived into the strawweight division and Oh, she thinks a win here kind of gets her that next hell shot that allows her to leapfrog uh, Carla Sparza. Next, we are joined by Randy Brown, who's in the co-main event against Jared Godin. This fight kind of surprised a lot of people, but it's a really intriguing one. Uh, we talked about Randy, how this fight came together. There wasn't a whole lot of notice on it, but uh, Randy said that just a fight to get him another. He just wanted to fight, get him another win. And hopefully then get a ranked guy, but he knows this is a fight that a lot of people are going to look forward to, and it's a fan-friendly fight for sure. And then we're going to be joined by the third fight from the top, and Tim Elliott to preview his fight against Matthias Nicolau. This is a really good chat. I always like uh, talking to Tim just about how this fight kind of came together, how he turned actually a couple fights down because um, he wanted to fight a, someone ranked and ranked ahead of him. Uh, he was obviously supposed to fight Sumajarji in June. Sue pulled out. And then since then, he's just said he got a lot of unranked guys or or just guys that in this stage of his career didn't make sense for him. And he as he's trying to kind of work up the way the flyweight ranks. But really good job with Tim as always. Then we're joined by Charles Rosa to preview his fight against Damon Jackson. This is a really intriguing matchup. Charles Rosa is actually the betting underdog in this one. He's coming off that good win over Justin James. Damon Jackson coming off a tough fight. Uh, against Aliyah Tuporia, who is a tough out for anyone in the featherweight division, but good chat with Charles. And we also got some hockey uh, and some other sports talks in there at the end. And we close things out talking to Jared Vandera to preview his fight against Alexander Romanov. Romanov 14-0, and coming off that really weird win over Juan Espino where they only go where it's a technical decision. They go only a couple bit into the third round and then uh, an accidental groin shot, which Juan didn't think was a groin shot, but really weird one. But Jared Mandana knows this is a tough fight. He knows Roman. I was a very good wrestler. He knows his fight against Spivak showed that or he thinks that one didn't really show how good of a grappler he is, but this is a fight he's really looking forward to. He thinks he can keep this one standing and knock out Romanov and get a massive win for the and put him uh, right up there in the heavyweight division. But good, really good chat with all of them. Really good show. I hope you all enjoy. Be sure to share the show, subscribe, and thank you all for listening. All right, we're jumping. Uh, Mackenzie Dern, who's headlining her first UFC show. Mackenzie, how's it going? I'm doing good. Like you said, my first main event. So I'm so excited. I think this is like a big step in my career. Um, I ha- I'm happy to be able to like kind of finally see some numbers, you know, kind of the next contract negotiation. I think we can really get some big things. Uh, hopefully it'll be my fifth consecutive win. Um, so I think that'll be like one of the most in the strawway division, you know. Uh, so yeah, it- this fight is really, really important. It's one Another step in, in accomplishing my goal, you know, as being the champ, but I think there's a lot of things that can change really my career off of this fight. So I'm really, really excited. After you beat Nina Nunes, did you think a main event would be next? Because I thought they might put you in one after that performance. Yeah, I thought so. You know, they kind of, they had, they had mentioned it, you know, they kind of, they offered a main event with uh, Marina for July 31st. Um, and then they had also mentioned like maybe about taking the main event with Michelle Watterson if Marina 
couldn't fly out because of the whole pandemic thing and stuff like that, you know? So they were kind of saying some things, you know, I saw a couple interviews of Dana just kind of saying some cool things about me, you know? So I said, okay, I think, I think we're on like the good side of the UFC. So I'm really happy about that. And I was, I was thinking like, okay, I think our main event is coming pretty soon. I hope so. And when they kind of hinted at you filling in for Marina, if she couldn't get it, did you have a feeling you'd be fighting the winner of that fight then? Uh, I knew I was going to be fighting Marina, like, uh, basically, like, December of last year. They, we were kind of looking for a fight. Uh, Marina's one of the girls. We, like, they offered her, but I think she um, she was injured at the time. So then I ended up fighting Verna. Uh, she was one of the ones that were – Verna, I think, at the time was, like, 13. I was 12, maybe, or 11. So we were looking for someone in, ahead of us. But when they offered Marina and she was injured, I thought, okay, maybe she'll be a fight in the future, you know? Uh, and then she ended up fighting in January. She beat Amanda Reba. So, and Amanda was like my only loss. So I, we were doing, you know, I knew that it could be a possibility. Uh, her being like Brazilian too, I was like hoping maybe be just more for the belt or something like that. Um, I like started following her on Instagram. And But it's funny, all the people who I start to follow on Instagram, I end up fighting them like one fight later, you know? So I'm like, oh my gosh, you know? Uh, how different is training camp now preparing for five rounds or I assume you probably were always training to go past like a 15 minutes anyways. Yeah. Yeah. We've been training for five rounds for a while now, just, just in case we get, we would get like a short notice or something like that, you know? Um, and yeah, just to put like hard, making the training each time, like harder and harder. So we've been, we're prepared. If they do like 10 rounds, we can go 10 rounds. Hopefully I don't need more than one round. You know, that's the goal, <laughs> but we're, we're ready. We're feeling good. We've been training hard, like kind of just that style, like, you know, five rounds, but it's like every two rounds, it's someone fresh or every round, it's always somebody fresh, like, and I'm doing straight, you know, so just, you know, getting fresh people trying to like take your head off all the time during training and, you know, push you hard. So that's basically what we've been doing. Well, what was camp like for this one? Like, did you do most of your work with Perillo in that gym again? Yeah, all my camp is at Ruka with Jason Perillo. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just like, I just train my striking every day, you know? All my training is striking, striking, striking. Of course, getting close, my dad comes out. He, he's like four weeks before, five weeks before the fight, he comes out like for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then we'll do like, you know, takedowns or, um, like jiu-jitsu or jiu-jitsu and stuff like that. But I've been training jiu-jitsu my whole life, you know, so it's definitely, um, I just kind of do it just to keep my mind fresh and, you know, some new positions, what's going, what's kind of going on in the jiu-jitsu world. But every day I'm just working my striking, my striking, my striking, my strength training, um, just to try and catch up to the girls, you know, who are on the, who are on the top, you know. So mostly striking my training. How big of a help is Jason? Just because he is a very like good striking coach. Obviously, Marina, that's kind of her go-to is her striking. Yeah, no, it's so he's so important. You know, he's really helping me so much. Just just so I have a base. You know, I think the base is one of the biggest things. Uh, so I can like throw punches and be able to like, you know, keep throwing punches. Not like throw one punch and then totally be off balance and not be able to follow up with anything or just my takedowns be totally, you know, with no strength, no no power anything like that um kind of just seeing i can kind of set up things now which is crazy for me because in jiu-jitsu 
I always set up things, you know, I'm always like, okay, I'll, I'll put the sweep here to make her defend and then I'll go to the armbar here or whatever like that. And now I'm understanding, like, okay, they have kind of the same thing with striking and things like that. So now just, you know, working my strike, I kind of feel like, a sh I'm, not, I'm not a striker, but I feel like comfortable. Okay, if I can't take Marie to the ground, I'm prepared to go all the rounds standing up with her too, you know what I mean? So, of course, the strategy is to take down, get in, get out, no injuries, no, like, elbows to the face, broken noses again. But um, if we need to go all five rounds, he definitely has given me the confidence that I need to to be able to go in there and hang and, you know, and even, like, surprise, you know, because no one expects me to have good striking, you know. And I think the biggest thing, too, is, like, we're actually talking about this, uh, how Coach really he's, like, so – um. We just like laugh all the time, you know, like his energy at the gym is, is like such a great thing. It makes you like excited to go to the gym. It's always fun. It's not like a heavy, um, a heavy energy about it, you know, and just, it's very light and, you know, it makes you want to be there and keep wanting to learning and you have a good connection with your coach. I think that's so important. So he, he's, he's awesome. He's been such a, this will be my fourth fight with him. Um, in like one year, almost in one year, it was one year in September. So really excited, like hopefully four wins and hopefully we go all the way to the belt. How do you kind of, how do, how do you think you match up against Marina? Because I think a lot of people just kind of view this as a striker versus kind of grappler fight. Yeah, I mean, as me as the grappler, I think this is a, a good fight, you know what I mean? A great fight for me, uh, just like strategic wise you know I, I don't know how I don't know what strikers think about grapplers I don't know if they think like striking can be grappling but um for me as a grappler I feel like oh the grapplers can you know if we can hang in there and take a couple punches and get to the ground um it's a better fight for the grapplers you know but um yeah it's definitely that Nina was that too you know I think Nina even had a little bit more background on the ground than Marina but Nina was a striker versus kind of grappler idea now Marina but it's exciting, you know, it's kind of crazy because I, I'm like the favorite. I'm a, I think I'm a slight favorite more like just because I'm in the ranks, like four. I think she's five or six, maybe I'm not sure. But um, I mean, in my mind, Marina's like 35. She has more fights than me. She has more wins than me. Um, she's fought like a few girls in the top, you know, in the top, top five, top six, things like that. Uh, so I think she has a lot more experience when it comes to like MMA and UFC and things like that. But yeah, it's going to be a good fight. And I think it's a good matchup. I'm, I definitely can't, can't make a mistake, you know, that's, and that's, what's good. You know, I think this now is the time to like really test myself because then I have, hopefully we get to the belt and then the belt, you really can't make mistakes. <laughs> How much do you look back at what like Cynthia Calvillo and Carla Sparza did against her? Because that's fights where, those two use their wrestling really well to kind of control the fight. And, and do, like, how much do you kind of look back at those fights? Yeah. I mean, even just like random Marcos, you know, took her down like the win. I think they got a draw too, you know, um, more because of her takedowns that Randa did for her that I, and I fought Randa. Um, Cynthia, I think was a draw and like, she did better when she took her down. She was, I think she ended up like on a, ended around like almost grounded pound, like almost going to the back. Uh, Carla Sparza, Carla Sparza, she took a lot of damage from the bottom, yeah. but I definitely see myself uh, not so much like holding, you know, my, my ground game is a lot more like keep going forward and changing positions. I'm not too much holding on the ground. So I definitely feel like the, the way to win is taking to the ground. And I think that if I can get it there, the fight 
hopefully it'll be like one more submission or maybe like a TKO. I don't know. But even like Michelle Watterson, you know, Michelle, she lost the fight all the rounds. She almost lost. I think there was one round that she won and the round that, you know, Karate Hadi took to the ground, you know. So I think the way to win this fight by paper and all these things is definitely to take to the ground. And I have 25 minutes to do that. So that's that's the goal. <laughs> Like, how do you kind of see yourself winning? Like, I know it's for you, it's mostly submission, but is there something like maybe you want to get that, that TKO or like a ground and pound just to kind of show off your striking a bit? For sure, definitely. You know, it's like I think I have one more submission to be like ahead in all, in the most submissions in the in the women's division. I think right now I'm like a, I'm tied. So a little me is like, okay, if I get one more submission uh then i i'm the record i hold the record but i never had a tko before you know i've gotten close but never like actually got it so and i don't know like i think i'll be like i i'm hoping you know i hope if it goes everything the way i want i think i'll be like really split like okay tko keep trying to punch and just make it stop like this and get that first tko on my record um and just kind of show i think yeah i think definitely that's a option and something that i'm thinking about like i hope i can get where do you think a win over Marina puts you? Because we obviously have the Rose Whaley rematch happening like a month after you. Yeah. Carla Sparza seems to be like next, but I, like, do you think if you go out there and like finish Marina, you could even leapfrog Carla and get the winner of Rose and Whaley? Yeah, I think so. I definitely think so. From what I heard, I don't know what's true, what's not true, you know, like, but uh, from what I heard, they offered me to Carla Sparza, but she wanted to wait for the belt. You know, and um, and I understand she's like five wins straight, five straight wins. You know, she's been like she's beat Rose before. So, um, but I think that they just like with you've seen things like that, you can kind of if you kind of say no to some fights and want to hold out, you can kind of get skipped and passed by, you know, and things like that. So I think if I have a great performance, you know, uh, almost like flawless, maybe yeah, we can, I can go straight to the belt. But also too, I'm not like. I really want to go to the belt, but if I see like, okay, there's some things that we need to work on, uh, I wouldn't mind doing one more fight or maybe, I don't know, one or two more fights before I go to the belt. But um, just to, you know, make sure I sharpen up everything. We want to get to the belt and stay there for a while. Is the plan though, like not discuss any fights until kind of after November and see what happens with the title, just kind of see what the year kind of future holds? Um, I mean, depending on really like we, if it, I think it's more just how my performance goes, you know, I think if I have a good performance, you know, and it's like, Hey, you ready? My coaches, everyone agrees. Like we'll probably start, you know, asking for it and things like that. If it's Zhang Wei Li or Rose, you know, we'll be, we'll be prepared for both of them. You know, I think it's going to be a great rematch of them. I'm excited. Hopefully I have like some front row tickets to that. Um, but yeah, it will be excited. So I think independent, of who wins that fight. Um, if we have a good performance, we'll be ready to fight either one of them. If I, if my performance may be like winning, but um, hey, like maybe I got caught with a lot of punches or something like that. Maybe we'll ask, okay, let's get one more fight. I don't know, even like Carla or one other girl, you know, but definitely someone top ranked for sure. Uh, just a few more things. I'm not sure how much you've kind of paid or thought of it. Like, is that not even like next just because she's far down, but is that Rebus fight one you'd like to get back just because that is your first loss? Um, no, I mean, eventually maybe, yeah, for, if it's like for the belt, you know, but I don't know. It's like my goal has always been for the belt, you know, like I don't really take the loses or anything like that, you know, 
too personal. I don't feel like, oh, I need to prove myself against her or anything like that. Um, if she makes it to the belt, you know, and she makes it to the belt before me, definitely I would like to fight her to get that belt. Uh, if I make it to the belt one day she comes and challenges me, it will be great to be able to get that rematch uh, for a belt, you know, but definitely she's not um, someone that's kind of, that I like to face before that belt, you know, definitely my goal is the belt. <laughs> the belt, like breaking records and things like that, you know, I, I kind of take that loss. Um, the loss was important for me, you know, I learned so much and it helped me develop as a fighter so much. So it's not really something I'm ashamed of, you know, I'm kind of like proud that I learned so much from it and I was able to bounce back and, and get this far after the loss, you know, so it's really kind of part of my, my career, you know, I don't feel like I need to come back to the zero because I feel that kind of shows a lot of adversity and proves like kind of the fighter that I am today. How big of a relief is it now where you don't have to keep an I I answering these questions about your weight and all that? Because you've kind of proven like five, six fights in a row, like the weight like you're making, you're going under 115 sometimes. Yeah, I know. Like today I was 119. So I'm really excited about that. Like I have what, like six days, yeah. you know, seven, six, yeah, six days for the weigh-ins, you know, for four more pounds. So I'm really excited, like have good energy and I'm not like you know, so tired and things like that, just kind of recover and take the next week, like slow and just cut down on the weight. So I'm really excited. I think, um, yeah, I think everyone uh, was kind of had that image of me about the weight and things like that. And I'm able to like really just kind of push that to the side and people can forget about it and like really pay more attention of all my hard work I've been doing now. So I'm definitely so excited to not have to be answering too much about Oh, is she gonna make weight? Is she gonna actually? I think people probably still say it just to joke around <laughs> with me and mess with me now, you know. So now I can laugh about it. Obviously, it's not something I'm proud of, but I'm definitely proud that hey, um, I got my life strained up and focused, and it's working. It's definitely makes my fighting better, you know, when you're not stressing about weight and critics and all these things, you know. Uh, just last question. Are you hoping your next fight is on a pay-per-view back in front of fans? You've done five fights in a row with no one there. Yeah, all of my fights have been uh, at the Apex, too. So it's not even been like, I don't know, Fight Island where maybe there's like a few people, but they've all been at the Apex, which is good. You know, I like the small ring, the small octagon. That's definitely better for us grapplers. You know, it's not too much space to run away. Um, but I'm totally, I'm totally, totally ready to be back in front of the crowds and pay-per-view even better. So, uh, yeah, definitely hundred percent. I'm, I'm missing those, the cheering and being able to like my last fight, I like jumped on the cage. It was my first time jumping on the cage. I was so excited and there's like kind of crickets, you know, I'm like, Oh, okay. But this is cool. You know, it's so fun. <laughs> well, Mackenzie, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Thank you. All right, we're joined by UFC welterweight Randy Brown, who's back in action pretty soon. Randy, how's it going, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. This fight kind of, like, came out of nowhere. Like, it was only announced, like, a week ago, which is basically, like, four weeks, five weeks to the fight. Like, when did you find out about this fight? Um, Maybe a week prior to that. Not, 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 not crazy long, you know, but uh, it's a short notice fight. It's a short notice fight, and uh, I was already in preparation. Um, actually, had planned to fight another person. That person wasn't available, uh, so I was kind of unsure if I was going to be able to fight. And then the UFC came through last minute. So this was just one of those scenarios where you were kind of already bugging the UFC to get you in there around this time frame, anyways. Yeah, exactly. 
uh, Jared Gooden, like that kind of caught me off guard. You said thought you'd get a more high profile name. Like, did that surprise you when they offered him? Uh, no, not at all, man. Not at all. Honestly, a guy like Jared Gooden, uh, super underrated guy, you know, he's, he's has big power, you know, really aggressive. And again, styles make fights. I'll, obviously I'm looking to fight up the ranking, but I'm just looking to stay active, man. I haven't really been an active fighter in the past couple of years, you know, and I, I really want to get active and be able to build my win streak, you know, and uh, in order to do that, I need people to fight, you know, so I'm, and I'm not, I don't think right now I'm, I'm a guy that people are just jumping up to fight like that, you know, so uh, this guy was available. He wanted to fight. So that's what I took. How much do you know about him? Cause he's one and two in the UFC, but like, his fight against Ali Joban was like a really good fight back and forth. Then his last one, like he got a quick knockout to get some hype kind of behind his name. Um, not much, but what from what I've seen, I think that uh, he is underrated because he does have some some striking ability. Um, like I said, very aggressive, big knockout power, very very dangerous guy. We saw saw that on display in his last fight. And um, if you look at if you look at uh, his fight against Joe Bland, like you said, it was a back and forth war, you know, which he arguably won, you know what I mean? So uh, I, I take him very seriously and I think that he, he's a dangerous guy, but I really don't know much other than that. And that's enough. I know you guys do have a common opponent in Mike Graves, who he fought on the regional scene. Like, have you watched that fight? Just kind of see how he fought him just because you fought him before. That's crazy. I didn't know that. I actually didn't know that, you know, um, so long ago though it doesn't matter I yeah. mean, it wouldn't make sense for me to check that out you know I, if i didn't notice it that means it was too long ago and uh it, i don't think he's watching that fight to study for me either because i mean i get better every fight so um i'm not i'm not too worried about that is i know you're a guy that you like to go out and strike but is this one of those fights where i wouldn't be surprised if you kind of implement the wrestling and because i think you have probably a big advantage on the ground over him um <laughs> Hey man, I'm I'm a mixed martial artist, and whatever presents itself or wherever I see fit to take the fight, um, I think that I, I do believe that I have an advantage on the feet and on the ground. Um, obviously, I feel like I'm just a better fighter, um, but I think I can get it done wherever I want to get it done. Man. How do you kind of see the fight playing out then? Honestly, it, I can't tell you, but I will tell you that I I can see a finish. Is that something you kind of are going more for? Because you see the welterweight division, like the guys that are getting finishes, like especially the welterweight, like it's so stacked. But if you string together a couple finishes, it seems like the UFC like really starts to push you up those rankings. For sure, man. I mean, I think that's with every division. I think that's just in general with every fighter, every every fight. Um, if you're if you're getting finishes and you're excited, then you're gonna get off with fights. Um, if you look at my record, that's been the storyline of my career you know what I mean whether it be obviously I've, I've had a few losses but my wins are finishes I'm not a guy to go to the decision much you know what I mean I think I have like an 87% finishing rate you know chances of me finishing the guys is pretty high what do you think a win over Jared does for you or do you think it's just like another win a win streak and just kind of puts you right back up in that mix again um I don't really think that far ahead honestly I'm just thinking right now I need to get a dub and I need to fight. I want to stay consistent. And it just adds to the resume of me stringing together. I mean, obviously, we know in the past I've had trouble with stringing them together. You know, obviously, I've faced tough, tough competition the whole time. Um, but um, 
I think this just gives me an opportunity to string together, you know, and uh, and move forward. I know you're a guy that sometimes you like to call your shots. Like, do you already have someone in mind or is it just full focused on Jared and that's, we'll see what happens after? It's, it's crazy, man. Um, you know, I usually do, but I haven't even thought about it until you mentioned it now. Um, no, but maybe I will think about that. But honestly, I just been locked in on this one dude once. It, it's a little short notice for me. I mean, you guys know I like long camps in order for me to really be at my best. But, uh, you know, I've been in, in shape and I've been fit. So uh, i just been locked in on him. Once I found out about him, that's all I've really been locked in on right now. Yeah, what is kind of training camp looking like? Is it just more intensity just because you have kind of less weeks to prepare? Um, you can say that. You can say that, yes. Yes and no. Because uh, the t- intensity was kind of up already because I felt like that was the day I was going to fight. I was going to fight in October. They were like, well... I kind of just assumed it would be October. I kept asking for October, and they were like, okay, we'll, 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 we'll look. So I just started getting in, in shape. Um, so I picked up the intensity then. Um, once the first guy got offered and he wasn't able to do it, the intensity came down a little bit. But then a few weeks later, they came back with this dude, and then we bumped it right back up. So uh, it was kind of like a deload week in a way where I kind of just eased off and recovered a little bit. So... Towards the end here, yeah. Right now, the intensity is really high right now. And then we'll start to taper it off in about a, uh, maybe sometime next week. I know the weight cut's never really concerned for you with just short notice. Like, anything different for this one? Nah, man. Nah. You know, I'm good. I'll weight cut. Everybody's always so concerned about my yeah. weight. Like, yeah, you're so big. Like, how does it work? How do you do it? You know, um, I'm not, I'm not as big as people think, you know, and I, I manage my weight really well. I have, you know, a good diet and, you know, I'm always in shape. I'm always working, always on my cup and my cardio. So um, weight, weight's not really an issue for me. Yeah, it's like crazy. Whenever I watch like cards with my friends that aren't like MMA fans, they're like, oh, this guy's 170. I'm like, yeah, he weighed in 170 yesterday. He'll be like 185, 190 by the time they step in. They are so confused at how you guys do it, though. Yeah, that's everybody. Everybody's like, what the hell? How? You know, it's all just water weight, you know. Are you looking, hopefully, to get one more in this year? Or you think this is probably it for you, just because it's near the end of the year? Um, Absolutely. I mean, it all depends on how the fight plays out, right? Um, if it's a if it's a battle, then um, we'll see. But if it's, a, if it's a quick fight, you know, and it doesn't go the distance, and I'm able to get in there and with minimum amount of injuries, Hell yeah. Right back in there in December. I'm with it. Let's do it. Well, what is training camp like? Are you still out in New York? Because I know a lot of guys left you were talking about, and I think everyone's kind of coming back, or are they still not back? Everyone's not back yet. Still, people are kind of like in and out. Um, some people left for good. I lost a lot of good, good training partners. Um, so right now for me, earlier in my camp, camp was different. It is different now. You remember we spoke about uh, me training in my backyard, yep. the Luke fight and all that shit, which was trash. But uh, – now, now things are different. You know, I've traveled to Cali. I've trained. I train over at Kings MMA from time to time. Um, I did that in the beginning part of this camp, and then now I'm here. I go to Philly sometimes, and I train over at uh, with Daniel Gracie, with those guys over there. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm getting the work that I need to get right now. Is that something you think is probably going to be the future for you? Is kind of bouncing around different places, or are you kind of hoping New York will be the spot? <sighs> I think, honestly, I think I'm going to have to move out of New York at some point. I'm not going to lie to you. At some point, I'm going to have to make a move. It's either, you know, 
either gonna have to go to Cali or I'm gonna go to you know somewhere. But I'm not gonna be here for long because the training is tough, man. Training here is hard. I'm not gonna lie to you, but we make the best of it. And this camp, I was able to, you know, this camp and my last camp, I was able to make it work. But it's annoying having to drive here and drive here and drive all over the place, you know, so far away where. Um, some places I realize they have everything near everything in one house, you know. So, um, so yeah. Uh, a bit disappointed they didn't save you a month later to put you on the MSG card. Man, I wish. I really do. <laughs> I really do wish, man. Uh, but it is what it is. And you know, I had some issues with the uh, with the commission a while back that we got worked out. So I don't know. Maybe they just didn't want to deal with the headache of dealing with the commission. So um, who knows? Yeah, I've heard lots of stories from fighters about the New York commission and the headaches they kind of caused. Yeah, man. Uh, so I wish that it would make sense. I mean, I'm literally, if you look at that card, I am the New York guy in the UFC. If you, you know what I mean? I'm from, and I'm from like, I'm not like one of these dudes from Long Island. Like I'm from, from Queens, Brooklyn, the boroughs. Like I'm from New York for real, you know? So um. I don't know. It would make sense for me to be on those kind of cards. I, I'd pack that place. Well, what do you kind of make of that main event of that card, the Usman-Covington rematch? Like, it, it seems like some people thought it was a fight to make. Some people didn't like Colby in the rematch. Like, what are your kind of thoughts? Oh, man, I think it's a good fight. I love the first fight. Um, I love how it all unfolded. I love the drama leading up to it. Um, it was high intensity. Uh, I love it. I love it. And I think it's going to play out very similar to the first one and I think uh there was a lot of pride involved in the last one so nobody wanted to shoot if you notice both of them were like yeah we're gonna stand here and slug it out um but it was close man it was close so but I think it plays out the same way I think Usman gets it done I think Colby shoots this time though like pretty early I, I agree I don't think early but I think he does shoot at some point I was telling my friend who's a big UFC fan I said within the first two minutes I think he shoots well, I shoot but that fight's so interesting because, like, if Colby loses, like, I don't even know if he'd really fight again just because, like, he only seems like he really wants the title. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he just goes, like, the wrestling route. Then for Usman, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he retires. He's talked about it for a while. Like, a couple years ago, I remember he was on Joe Rogan saying, like, his knees are so bad. Like, he's talking about retiring. He beats Covington. Like, there's not those top guys. He's kind of beat them all. Like, there's not really much left for him. And he's not going to go to middleweight because him and Adesanya are good friends. Like, I don't really see what else is there for him either. True. I mean, I can see it. I, I can see it playing out that way. I can see him retiring, but uh, Kobe, more so Kobe, I think. I think Kobe is, at least from my perspective, I'm not, this is not like fact or anything, but I feel like he's uh, he's more into just the career outside of outside of mixed martial arts. Mm -hmm. You know, the 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 aesthetic of being a fighter and and going, you know, towards politics and the WWE thing and all that, you know. Uh, so I agree with you. I think that maybe he he may or may not retire, but we'll see. But as far as Usman, yeah, he's he's dominated the division, but we got a lot of young new talent coming up in our division, man, and and a lot of hungry guys who've been around for a while too. So I think that it'll be refreshed within – maybe he beats him and maybe he beats Kobe and then in – in a year or so, man, next year, middle next year, I think we start to see some new talent coming out of new or old talent coming out of uh, the welterweight division. Uh, just last thing, how disappointed are you just at the apex? I don't ever talk about to you, like you kind of hate the no crowd. You go from your last fight, first fight back in front of fans, and now they're putting you back in front of no one. 
I know, bro. It's so weird, honestly. I, it's, it's weird because I don't see a lot of guys talking about it. So I'm thinking maybe it's just me. But uh, I really don't like the no crowd, man. It's just a weird feeling. It feels like sparring. And, you know, not that it's a bad – sparring's bad, but it just – this feels weird. I much I perform personally. I perform better with the electricity of the crowd and that the lights and the, the whole, you know that that everything, the whole experience that that puts me in a different zone. Whereas where we're just sparring, sometimes it's just it feels a little different and it feels it feels a little more. I don't want to say real, but it feels like I have to. I'm sparring, but I gotta hurt this person with the little gloves and all that. You know what I mean? Whereas in a fight, I can hurt them no problem you know, with the crowd because it's a whole different feel. It's weird. Like I've talked to fighters that are like four or five fights in the UFC career. And like, mm-hmm. they haven't even experienced the crowd because all their fights have been in the apex, which is like super because mm-hmm. you dream of going to the UFC, like sold out crowd. And then you're just fighting based. Like you're on a regional show with like a hundred people there. Yeah. That's insane. That It really is. Um, I couldn't imagine being, you know, I mean, Hey, you know what, too? I guess when you don't know anything else, it's just yeah. like, hey, you're on the local scene and then this is what it is, the UFC. Maybe they'll feel different when they see the big crowd now, when everything goes back to normal or they go on a different on a bigger card. Yeah, but it's weird. Like, even when I talk to fighters, it seems like you're either on one of two sides. You either like the no crowd, you like the apex, or you absolutely hate it. Like, there, I haven't really talked to anyone that's like, ah, whatever. Like, I don't really care. It's either like, why are you even on this card? Like, I don't want to fight for no one. Or it's like, I love this. I'm going to ask to be on this, which... I don't know. I think if I was a fighter, I'd kind of want the crowd. I think it would pump me up more, but I guess, I guess you can hear your coach is a bit better. So, like, I guess there's pros and cons of it both. It's, you know what? Another thing that makes it weird is that you can hear their coaching. It's kind of like you and your homies go somewhere, like you and your friends and y'all, like another another group of friends or whatever, y'all get into a fight and, like, maybe y'all have to do a one-on-one with one other person and then your friends are yelling shit and his friends are yelling shit and y'all are just scrapping, you know, and it's kind of like that and it, which makes it completely different, I feel. Because I remember I was hearing my opponent's coaches and shit like that. I usually don't hear them at all. I'm hearing them, you know, saying shit that I'm about to do and shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, Randy, I appreciate the time as always. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, no doubt, man. Anytime. All right. We're joined by UFC Flyweight Tim Elliott, who's back in action here pretty soon. Tim, how's it going, man? Going good, man. Never better. You were obviously supposed to fight in June, and then Sue ends up getting hurt. Like, what kind of took so long for you to get rebooked? Because I thought, like, if they couldn't rebook that Sue fight, I thought that you would have got something a lot sooner than this. Yeah, well, they kind of tried, and uh, it was a little difficult for me. I've just never been a guy who, I don't want to say was able to turn down fights. I just never was the guy. Um, I was really excited about the Sue fight. It would have been a ranked fight. Um, He's coming off two or three wins in a row stylistically i felt like it was a good matchup and um when he got hurt it was very disheartening uh they offered me manuel cape i think um and i think he's coming off two or three losses in a row um he fought nicolau the guy that i'm fighting next uh so i just felt like stylistically it's not a bad fight it's it's a fight that i would like in the future maybe but coming from a guy who was on a three-fight win streak to now i have to fight a guy on a three-fight losing streak on a week's notice uh, I just wasn't really into it. And they kind of told me like, Hey, if you don't take this fight, you're going to have to sit, which I hated because I already waited and did a full camp with Sue. Um, but they told me if I did wait, that they would give me another ranked opponent, somebody that was, you know, good on a win on a win streak. And, um, you know, I got exactly what I asked for with, uh, Nicolau. Hey, was this someone you had your eye on out of the rank guys or is it just who they offered you? 
Yeah, not really. I just didn't want to. I didn't want to take a step backwards or even a a, a step sideways. I'm, I I want to move forward. I'm getting old, um, and I think these young guys think they're going to go into these fights uh, 100%. And and you're not. Everybody's knees are hurt. Everybody's hurt. Um, and I get it with with some of the younger guys in their career. They don't necessarily need the money. They, I mean, everybody needs to get paid, but. Uh, when I was younger, I was the same way. Like I could fight anybody, anytime, any weekend and recover at, at, you know, at a fast pace, but now I'm getting older and like I have a family and, and bills and uh, you know, I need these fights. So uh, yeah, it sucked that Sue got put out, but uh, I, I think I have a better stylistical matchup with, uh, with my new opponent. And uh, yeah, it's, it's exactly what I wanted. And, you know, I didn't ask for anybody by name, but I wanted somebody, you know, top 10 because that's, you know, I, I'm there as well. And again, I, I don't want to make any lateral moves. It's, it's either forward or nothing. And I'm, I'm not in a position now like I used to be where I have to take a fight just because they offer it. And he's a very like similar story to you where he was in the UFC, like, and he gets cut where he went like three and one, that one lost Ortiz and he gets cut. Then he gets brought back and like, oh, I'm sure you've probably known and watched, but I was like, how much do you know about him? You know, uh, I watched him more when he was in originally before they cut him. Um, and you know, once they cut him, I didn't really pay much attention. I knew he was a guy that would be back. Um, thought he was a guy that shouldn't have been cut. And, uh, you know, I think he's a, he's a good opponent. He's, he's beat some good guys. Uh, I feel like the, the Dustin Ortiz fight, he just kind of got caught with a head kick. And, uh, you know, again, it's for me, it's, it's all about, uh, doing the right thing. And this part of my career when I was younger and, you know, it was just fight whoever, whenever. And, uh, I just didn't have the people looking out for me like I do now. And now I got a management team. I have a coaching team. I have a diet team. I, you know, I have my wife cooking all my meals. It's, it's easy now to, to fight these good guys and to take these good opponents. Um, what's not easy is, you know, me, me being ready to fight and my opponent backing out and then me trying to be forced into fighting somebody who is unranked on, you know, two or three, two or three fight skid. Um, but again, my team went to bat for me and, and the UFC didn't have an issue. I've never turned down a fight before for them. Uh, they know I'm not looking for an easier fight. I just don't want to go backwards. So uh, the UFC was, was great. They, they did exactly, you know, as I, as I wanted and, uh, and it, it just worked out the way it should. And I feel like that's the way it should go. I've, I've been a company man for so long and I've, I've just, I went with the flow. I didn't argue. I didn't bitter bicker about anything. And, uh, now I feel like when I do say something, the UFC knows I'm not just talking shit. They listen and uh, they compensated exactly, you know, how I wanted. Uh, how do you see yourself beating Nick Lau? Because a lot of his wins are by submission. You're a very good grappler yourself. You know, uh, it sucks that it's always this way, but just the way that I fight is, you know, it usually ends up being a three-round fight. Uh, I train for three rounds all the time. I, I like fighting. I like to perform. Like, obviously, I want to get a knockout or a submission, but I trained to fight for 15 minutes and I, I like to fight. I like to fight for that amount of time. I like to put ring time in. Um, I feel like it, it makes me better getting in there and, and having that time under my belt. But, uh, you know, I just don't know. I feel like the same way I beat anybody is take them into deep water, make them uncomfortable for 15 minutes and then, uh, get my check and go on to the next one. I like your beginning of October. So do you think you could get one more in this year? Do you think this is probably it for you? No, I would, I would like to, uh, I want to get this fight and then get another one right away. Um, I just, the division is there's crazy things happening right now. It's the best time ever to be a flyweight. And like, if you're hanging out waiting for something to happen, then you're going to get passed by. And I want the UFC to know, like 
I'm here to fight. I'm ready. I want to fight the good guys. I want to fight the name guys. Um, and if they want me to be the guy that'll fight short notice and fight anybody, that's not a problem. I'll be that guy too, but I want to get a flat pay rate. If that's the case, don't, don't pay me a, a show and win money. If you want me to be the guy that'll fight at 25, 35 every weekend, like I would love to be that guy, but I'm going to need a flat pay rate in order to be that guy, which, which would be, that'd be awesome for my next contract. Do you think that's something the UFC would do? Like, I know a lot of like champions get it. I think some like number one guys get it. Like, do you think that's something that they would look at more in the future is flat pay or like just flat? Cause I think the show and win is like, I think that has to go personally. Yeah. I mean, it's silly. Like nobody ever fought harder because they thought they weren't going to get their money. You know what I mean? Like you want to win, whether it's even if there's no money on the line, you don't want to lose a fight. It's a, it's a hard, it's a hard game to lose at. Um, but yeah, I think certain people, uh, especially if they're doing, you know, short notice fights or fighting whoever guys like Justin Gaethje, these guys who he's going to come out and fight tooth and nail, win, lose or draw, you know, you're going to get your money's worth. And like, those are the flat rate guys. And, and I want to be one of those guys. Uh, my dreams of being, you know, I never wanted to be the, the greatest fighter ever. All I want to do is like, when it's all said and done, look back at my fight videos and be like, man, I did some cool shit. I did some shit that nobody else did. I, I fought hard. I, I want to impress myself when I'm older. And I feel like, uh, I feel like a flat rate guys. Those are the, those are the kind of guys that get that. And, uh, if anybody's one of those guys, I, I feel like I should be that guy. I've, um, I've had fight of the night, I think five times in my career. I've, I've won the ultimate fighter. I fought for a UFC world title. I've just, I've never missed weight. I've, I've came, I've came to fight every time they've ever asked me to without giving them any problems. I've never had any criminal history or any, you know, drunken moments where I broke windows out of anything. I've, I've never done anything to, to make the UFC question, you know, my loyalty to the company and a, a flat rate would be something to, you know, for a lot of fighters that would make them feel like the company's being loyal back to them. Even if you don't get a flat rate, I think the 50, 50 is dumb. Like even if they make it like 80, 20 or something, yeah. so it's like a tiny bit is on the win. Right. But, yeah. or just pay a flat rate. And then if they win, give them a bonus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that could work too. But uh, with the flyweight division, like you have Cody Garbrandt coming down, like there's a lot of big names. So like, do you have like someone you like a call in mind? Because like this is the time where, like you said, like flyweight's really never been better than right now. You know, if I get this win, I'm looking at. I would really like that Askar Askarov fight. Um, I I felt like that was a fight that I could have won and should have won. Um, Cody Garbrandt's another guy. Like I love Cody. I've, I've been a huge fan of his. Um, but he's a guy I would like to fight just because that's going to be more eyeballs on me. You know, he comes down to the vision. More people want to see, um, that those are the fights that I want. That's, that's exactly what I want. But like you said, I want to be the active guy and be ready. So whenever they're like, Oh, this guy can't do something like they know they can hit up Tim Elliott and I'll be ready to go. I uh, just cut more things. Like I know you don't want to sit like how you have been from March till now, but is one of the good things is you're under James and I'm sure you're like, you've only been improving those times off. Cause that that's the time where you kind of improve a lot, man. It, it really is. And it's one of those things where like everybody wants to get better when they're not in fight camp, but you kind of take it easy when you're not, not in fight camp. Like I make my best gains when I'm in fight camp and I literally went through a whole fight camp and my fight got canceled. And so now I get to do it again. And as much as it is hard on my body, like you said, it's I'm, I'm getting the toolage of James Krause and Jeff Molina and, and all these guys like, and the cool thing about our gym is it's a culture and we have a collective, like I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a coach and I'm not a teacher, but every day when James is in there talking and saying shit, I pipe up and I, I speak my two cents because I know I'm a valued member of the team and that people 
respect and, and want to hear what I have to say. And everybody in our gym has that same right to speak out. And they do. And I'm like, man, I just, I, this is the best I've ever been. And I've been doing this. I've been in the UFC since 2012 and I'm, I'm more dangerous now and better trained and more well-equipped now than I've ever been. And I can't believe James didn't get nominated for coach of the year. Like I don't understand that at all. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is the, the proof is in the pudding. Nobody, nobody comes to Kansas city because it's cool. Everybody goes to Las Vegas. The coaches in Las Vegas get guys handed to them on a silver platter. Or Florida. No, yeah. Nobody comes to Kansas city because the weather's good. Like we come here because James Krause is here. So like that says something in its own and, and uh, our team stands on its own legs. We don't have to, James doesn't need that coach of the year because here in Kansas city, he's, he's coach of the century. Like we, he's got guys that, I mean, if he told me to run out in traffic, I think it's going to help you win. Like I wouldn't fucking question. I'd just put my shoes on and get going. Uh, one of your friends and like, uh, Joe Spenavides just announced his retirement. Like what, what did you, have you had a chance to talk to him? I haven't. I, I posted some things on Instagram. I'm sure he's getting flooded with, with stuff, but, uh, I mean, what a legend. And and right now, I mean, it's perfect time for him. He paved the way for, for these guys and, and including myself, uh, gave me the opportunity to, to fight him, uh, once before, and then, uh, picked me first on the ultimate fighter. Um, not even being the number one seed, uh, coached me to, to fight for a UFC world title. Like I owe Joseph Benavidez as much as my career as I do anybody. So, uh, you know, I haven't got a chance to talk to him personally. I feel like I'll let it die down a few days. I'm sure he's getting all kind of calls, but uh, I mean, what? Are, I don't have to say anything about him. He, yeah. All his shit speaks for himself, but he's just, there would be no flyweight division if it wasn't for him. And speaking of the flyweight division, they just did the Moreno-Figueredo trilogy. Like, what are your kind of thoughts on that? Because I thought it should have been Pantoja. Because I don't, like, it was such a dominant performance on Moreno. I didn't really see the point of the trilogy. I think Pantoja got an injury is, is why I'm not positive. But, uh, I mean, as far as for Brandon goes, that's the easier matchup in my opinion. I would, I think the Figueredo fight is a, you know, like you said, he, he finished him last time, uh, looked like Brandon is getting better and Figueredo staying the same. But, uh, I promise you Pantoja is a problem. That, that guy is a, he is a problem. And the one last thing is obviously Garbrandt's dropping down. Like, how do you think he's going to fare at flyweight, especially cutting an extra 20 or 10 pounds? Sorry. Uh, I think he can compete. He, I don't think he was a big 35er. Uh, obviously, he's going to have to make some adjustments. But, uh, I mean, Henry Cejudo did it. TJ Dillashaw did it. Uh, I don't see any reason why Cody can't do it as well. And, uh, again, it's just it's good for the division. Those those names coming down just means more eyeballs on us little guys. Even if he comes down and can't make it, it's it's going to be good for us. There's there's no negative scenario where Cody comes down to flyweight and it doesn't benefit the division unless he cuts weight and dies doing it. And I think it's actually kind of the perfect fight because if Cody beats Kai, then you can just kind of say, oh, there's, he beat a top 10 guy. Here's your title shot for Garbrandt. If Kai beats Cody, then Kai kind of gets that bigger spotlight and that bigger push. It, it's a win-win. Like I said, there's, there's no, there's no uh, scenario where Cody coming down doesn't benefit all of us. And, and Kai is a perfect fight for him. That's like you said, it's Kai wins. He, he deserves a big bump. And if not, then Cody probably deserves the title fight. And again, Cody getting the title fight is good for all of us just because he's a big name. All right. Well, Tim, I appreciate your time as always. Thanks so much for doing Thank this. All right. We're joined by UFC feather, Charles Rosa, who's back in action here. Charles, how's it going, man? Great, man. Just got back from the gym, you know, training hard, working hard for this camp, um, healthy, and, man, everything's everything's on point, so things couldn't be going better. 
Uh, I remember we talked after your last fight. You said like October, November. So is this kind of that perfect time for him? Early October? Or is this even sooner than you thought you'd get back in there? Yeah, perfect timing, man. You know, I stepped in my last fight. I was in a, I was in a hand cast my last fight when I accepted the last one before this. And I was like, ah. But I feel really good about this, man. I'm coming off a big win versus Justin James in UFC Vegas back in June, at the end of June. And, uh, you know, coming off a win. And, you know, I'm looking to get my first, you know, two-fight win streak in the UFC. You know, I've, I've, you know, been in the UFC for eight years now, and I win one, lose one. You know, I fought some of the best guys in the world, like, yeah, Rodriguez, you know, Dennis Seaver, when I made my debut against, and, um, you know, some of the top guys in the world. And, uh, you know, just, I think I just need to get that little, just get that two in a row, man. And um, I'm excited to see what the future brings. I really, you know, really, truly feel I can make a run for the title once I get this W. Uh, Damon Jackson, was this who you had your eye on, or was it just who the UFC offered you? Yeah, it's who the UFC off- offered me. You know, my manager, Jason House, takes care of it. Um, I told him what I wanted to fight. I said, you know, I wanted to fight on the Madison Square Garden card. You know, I heard uh, the guy Billy Q was calling my name out, Billy Quarantino. He called me out on, like, an ESPN card a while back. And, man, I loved that fight. I was all for it. I was, I was in on it, and I was hoping to fight him November 6th at Madison Square Garden. But, you know, I had, you know, I said I wanted to fight. I basically was like, yeah, let's run it, dude. Like, that's a great fight for me. He's an up-and-coming guy. He's, you know, it's a big fight, Boston versus New York. Like, it's exactly what I wanted with a crowd. Like, I feel like I compete much better with crowds. So I let my manager know that. But I think, you know, what it is is that the uncertainty of the event. Like, even though the event is booked, they have the <laughs> awesome card and everything looks good. You don't know the uncertainty with the COVID. Like, what if they just cancel the card and then you get pushed back? Like, this was a sure thing. Good matchup, good opponent. It was sooner, and then in my head, I'm like, "Hey, I could win this fight and still fight November 6th. So, um, yeah, man. I mean, I'm ready to go. I got the opponent, instantly said yes, and uh, you know, right back on the grind. I mean, I never stopped training, but just, 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 just keep it going and just, you know, tighten things up a little bit. And Damon Jackson, like, he's a guy that his second stint in the UFC, like. You fought like similar guys. You fought Kevin Aguilar. He so was he. Like how much? Like what do you kind of make of this, uh, Damon Jackson? Because he's looked a lot better in the second stint compared to that first one. Yeah, for sure. He got in. He got in pretty young in an early age. Um, and you know, I mean, man, he's a savage. All, all all these guys that are fighting in the UFC, it's not like in boxing where you get like tomato cans. Like, hey, we'll feed him a couple tomato cans and give him like a world title fight. Like every UFC fight for every UFC fighter is basically like a world title fight. Like. You're fighting – if you're fighting someone, you're fighting the guy that's the best from his either state, if it's in the country, if it's in the United States. Like you're fighting the best guy from Texas. You're fighting the best guy from New York. You're fighting the best guy from California, the best guy from Boston. And, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like you're fighting the best of the best. And then if you fight a guy from Russia, you're fighting like the number one guy in Russia. You go to Japan, you're fighting the number one guy in Japan. You go to Mexico City. Like when I fought Yair Rodriguez, you know, I fought him a split decision fight. It was fight of the night, amazing fight. You fight in the best guy from Mexico. So, like every one of these fights, if it was wasn't if the UFC didn't exist, it would be world title fights. But it's the way it is, you know. And this is the biggest show in the world, and it's 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 the biggest one. And uh, you know, that's that's why we're at the top of the show. It's the highest level. Are you a bit disappointed you haven't got on one of the pay per views that have fans back? Uh, yeah. I mean, I would. I mean, if you watch all my fights, like before the pandemic, like. I had all, you know, like, before the pandemic, like, all my losses were fight of the night. Like, anytime, like, all, I had a lot of I had a lot of bonuses. Like, the crowd changes things, you know what I'm saying? Like, I never had a bad performance in my life, like, with the crowd. Like, I always show up. And if I ever lost, you know, when there's a crowd, it's fight of the night or it's a split decision or some bullshit. Like, 
I feel like I won, you know, all my fights that I fought, you know what I'm saying? Like, but it is what it is. That's why they got judges. But, you know, the, the, the tough fight I had against the Bryce Mitchell fight, like, I just feel like, you know, you know, there's, there's a couple of things, like, I don't make excuses, like, but it's just when you're there and like, I'm so used to, you know, if I'm in a twister and I get out of a twister and there's 20,000 people screaming in Jacksonville instead of nobody, the fight goes different. There's momentum, there's momentum swing. But when you get out of a twister and then you just hear his coaches telling him what to do next, you're like, oh, damn, like you really don't get to build any momentum. And I feel like, you know, I come from team sports. I, I played hockey and, you know, sports my whole life growing up as a kid in Boston. And I feel like, you know, like when you watch like the home crowd, you watch sports, you know, and like hockey games in the playoffs. This is a different environment. So I feel like I feed off that. Some people break under that. So I feel like I'm one of those guys. You look at my record, I'm undefeated in the Boston Garden. I got the most all-time wins in Boston all-time. And all three of those events have been sold out TD Garden, Boston Garden shows, you know, and I'm undefeated there. So, um, you know, I just, you know, I feel like, you know, in the tough ones, like when I go to Mexico City and it's a Mexican commission and I'm going against the air and the judges give him the nod a fight I thought I won like really tough and same against Shane Burgos when I went to New York to fight Shane Burgos like another one like man I, I was whooping his ass two rounds and he catches me with a shot I get instantly get up and swing it and the ref just jumps in when I'm on my feet and like I don't I don't know you know I don't make excuses like obviously you know like if, I don't think I don't think anybody agrees that like as the fight's on the feet and you're standing up like they shouldn't stop the UFC fight. At least let the guy go down or get on top of you. Like, I, I was disappointed about that one, especially being up two rounds to none. But it's the name of the game, you know what I'm saying? So uh, I always like any advantage I can get, and I feel like the crowd's a huge advantage for me. But this fight is, again, with no crowd. So, you know, I've, I've, I've gone in there, and I've, you know, I've won a couple of big fights in Vegas, and, uh, you know, looking to continue this streak. And then hopefully the next one I'll get on a big card, you know, and get that fans back. Uh, how do you see someone playing out? Because stylistically, like, it's an intriguing matchup just because Damon's obviously a really good grappler, just like yourself. I think both you guys have underrated striking. I don't think you, both you guys get enough credit for your striking. Like, how do you kind of see this one playing out? Yeah, man, I think I think it's going to be a tough night for him. I mean, I'm finally finding, like, my groove with my striking. Like, it's something I've worked on a really lot in the past, and uh, I've also improved my wrestling tremendously. I mean, since my neck, neck injury about three years ago, maybe two years ago, that I made my comeback fight versus Manny Bermudez. Like, I did no wrestling after that. You know what I mean? Like, I stopped wrestling after my neck injury because, like, I was like, that's kind of how I heard it. Like, I'd been like, you know what? Like, the grinding on my body and my neck is just too much, so I'm just going to go to striking. And I've been purely striking for a long time. And then, you know, after the tough performance against Miner and Mitchell, I was like, hey, if I want to be world champion, like, i got to be able to do it all. So I kind of believed in my body. My body feels great. Neck feels great, so I started wrestling again, man, and I'm back, dude. I'm like, I'm 100% right now. I'm the best I've ever been, and I'm really excited for this next one. And as far as, like, you see the fight the fight going, like, I think I have a significant advantage in the feet. You know, like, I would say the biggest advantage I have in the entire thing is my chin. Like, you look at him, he's been slept three or four times. Like, and I don't mean slept, like, knocked out. Like, I've never been knocked out in my life, but from a punch, kick, anything. You know, he's been slept, like, on – camera who knows how many times in the gym out cold like sleeping at least three or four times and one of them to a former opponent that i beat kevin aguilar so um i do feel good about the fight on the feet and as far as the grappling goes yeah like i know my skills in grappling i mean yeah i know how durable how good i can scramble and i think you know picking up my wrestling a little bit is going to make the big difference and uh fight gets to the ground you're going to see him go to sleep there too so i feel like i have an advantage everywhere in the fight you get your hand raised here like are you hoping maybe one more in this year yeah, I mean, I'm ready to go always, man. Like, 
most people don't know about me. I was when I was an amateur fighter. Uh, I had twenty amateur fights. I was the number one amateur fighter in the country, and I fought freaking every weekend, man. We dropped Alabama one week, Georgia, Tennessee. We'd just be always finding the toughest fights around the country, and I did it because I loved it. You know, I didn't do it for the money in the beginning, and it's pretty. You know, I worked full time as a chef during that whole amateur career and doing what I did. But like, I was, I'm used to fighting all the time because I love it. Like, so if you got a fight for me, I mean, I've never said no to a UFC fight in my entire career and, um, I've always showed up. So, you know, when they offered Damon, it was an easy answer, but, um, you know, that's what you got a manager for too, to work those things out. So it makes it easy to sign the paper and, uh, let's run it. You know, you get your hand raised here. Like that would be two in a row. Like where do you think that kind of puts you in the featherweight division? That puts me at that. I mean, that puts me at the top, or at least puts me against the top guy. Because, you know, you look at you look at the guys I fought. I mean, I fought in all the best guys in there, and I've never been outclassed by really any of them. I mean, I think I think you know, Yeo Rodriguez split decision fight. I fight. I thought I won. You know, one I would always like to get back. He's number what two or three in the world right now. You know, Shane Burgos is. You know, he he got that Billy Q fight, so that'll be interesting to see how that goes. But that's also a guy I feel like I beat. And, you know, I was beating the whole fight and. You know, it's, it's 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 what it is. You know, fighting in New York, but uh, I fought I fought in the best of the best guys. So I, I I know my capabilities, and you know, um, like I know what I'm capable of. It just sometimes it just takes a little glitch. You know, a little thing. You even look at like Dustin Poirier. I mean, he comes up, he loses to Conor McGregor. He's having a tough time. He's a featherweight. He's you know having a tough career, and then the guy's about to fight for a world title now, and he's you know one of the biggest names in the sport. So. And it's all because no matter how many times you got knocked down, they keep getting back up and giving another go at it. So I just have to find the right, the right glitch and the right timings, and everything is going to work itself out. So I'm, I'm excited to see uh, once I get that first, you know, two-fight win streak in the UFC, just keep climbing up the rankings and, you know, hopefully maybe get another bat one back in Boston and continue my uh, undefeated, you know, record-setting streak in Boston. So that would be, like, ideally what I envision for the future after this fight. I know something we talked about before is, when you were a chef, like I know you cook a lot of your own meals. Like, how beneficial is that? Where you don't have to spend money and hire a chef because you can diet down yourself. Oh, it's the best, man! It's I, I I'm doing that right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I went to culinary school. I went to Johnson Wales University in Providence, Rhode Island, like one of the best culinary schools in the country. Graduated with a degree in there um, in culinary arts, and then a bachelor's degree in nutrition. And so I have a really good background in this stuff, and it's super helpful, man. Like, you know. I see some of the things that people, guys are eating like fight week and I just look at it and I'm like, man, like they're eating like so bad. Like, I mean, the UFC helps us with some of the stuff now, but you know, to be able to add like garlic, peppers, hot sauces, like different herbs and seasonings that don't have any extra calories, people don't really realize that. And it's also like the temperatures you can cook foods too to make them much tastier. Like you can take the same piece of chicken and you could cook it and you could cook it to death and be a dry, terrible piece of chicken. But if you know how to cook that chicken the right way, and you kind of know like know how to cook it in its own juices or whatever, maybe add some garlic and like rosemary and thyme to it, man, you can make that fire. Like it tastes so good and it has the same exact, it's the same thing you're eating. It's just, you know, the preparation, the method of prep to make it better. So um, one thing I also do is I still work with the nutritionist, uh, the fight nutritionist, Jackie Kaminsky. She's a girl that I met at the UFC Performance Institute. So, you know, it's always good, even though I feel like I'm great at it. I think I know what to do. It's always good to have someone to bounce ideas off of get an extra look and an extra set of eyes on it, just like in jiu-jitsu. Like, I'm a black belt in jiu-jitsu, but I still have a jiu-jitsu coach, you know, Charles McCarthy and black belt under Ricardo Laborio. So it's important to have, like, you know, a team of people to help you because you can't be the best at everything. You can try to be, but it's always better to have help. 
uh, just a couple more things. Like, I know you've been in Florida for a while, a lot better than for you in Boston, especially yeah. in the fall and cold weather pretty soon. Yeah, man, we got Tom Brady down here now, man. So we're going to see him kick off uh, the Bucks game tonight. So that'll be interesting, you know, him and Gronk are down here. But, no, nah, it's what it is, you know what I'm saying? I love uh, – I mean, I love Boston. I love going to visit. I love seeing my family. But, you know, I do – I don't love, like, the weather as much as I love Florida. Like, I'm looking out the window now. I got I see a big pool. I see palm trees. I can see coconuts hanging off the palm trees. <laughs> like, life is good here, man. You know, it's, 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 it's much easier, better living. And then, you know, it's always good to go home every once in a while to Boston, New England, and visit the family and just get a, you know, kickback of reality and what, what, what made me who I am and, and uh, what I do. So, you know, I still rep the Boston Strong name because, you know, I feel like that's what made me. That's, that's my name. You know what I'm saying? That's what... I represent and who made me as tough as I am and gave me all my character and building of what I am. And, you know, I came to Florida to just better that. So, um, you know, I'm always representing my city and, and, and my people and my family, like Team Rosa. And, uh, you know, I even got my little brother Lucas down here. He trains down here at American Combat Gym with, under my head coach, Charles McCarthy. And to have him as a training partner, man, he's fighting September 18th on a, on a Risen show, and he's one of the top amateurs coming up in the country right now, too. So it's really cool to be able to see him build and, you know, follow my footsteps and, you know, create the blueprint for him. Uh, with, uh, the Patriots, too bad they're going to lose to uh, Buffalo this year, right? Yeah, I don't think so. We'll see. Uh, I'll be down to put some money in that one. That's a It'll be a good game, but I think, Mac, you know, Mac Jones, Mac Attack is going gonna, is gonna, is gonna to step it up this year, man. I think he's like the next Tom Brady, so. We'll see if he can pull it off. You're believing in Mac, eh? Yeah, you already know, man. <laughs> Mac attack. He's gonna. He's the next Tom Brady, man. Like they got. He got. He got the same thing we're doing with my little brother. We got the perfect blueprint. Got the game plan, you know, to success, and he's following it, doing everything he's supposed to be doing, and uh, we'll see if the formula works. Uh, last question: How do you think the Bruins do this year? I'm, I'm excited oh, to see back pretty soon. Yeah, man, it's it's pretty special. I know we're still trying to. I think I think we got Tuco out this year, which is pretty tough, I believe. I'm not sure, but you know, we still got Marshawn. We got man, we got a killer group of guys. You know, um, you know, I you know I talk to Marshawn sometimes, so you know I know they're bringing back an awesome team. And um, I was trying to recruit Jack Eichel down here. I know him. You know, from, I actually met him in Buffalo, New York, a while ago, and I stay in touch with him because he's a he's a Boston guy himself. And I'm like, man, you gotta come play for the Bruins, bro. Like, what are you doing? And uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm sure it's tough for him, but like, you know, I mean. I think if we could get someone like Jack Eichel or one more superstar, it'd be like a sure thing. But um, still got a little bit of time till hockey starts. I think. You head down to any games like football games or hockey games in Florida because you got some teams there to like whenever the Patriots or the Bruins are in town. Oh yeah, for sure. Like uh, Sean Thornton, who used to play for the Bruins, is a GM. Maybe not the GM, but the vice president. Like he's yeah, big role for the Florida Panthers, and he used to play for the Bruins, and he. He's actually trains jujitsu, and he's a, a huge MMA fan. He used to train the American Top Team when I was over there. And, um, yeah, like, so Sean Thornton, he was, like, people that don't know Sean Thornton, he was, like, an enforcer for the yeah. for years, bro. Absolute savage. Like, I think he won the Stanley Cup with him or something. And uh, he, he was, like, basically, like, the enforcer. Like, if you ever seen the movie The Goon, like, he's dude just – if anyone tried to pick on any of the all-stars on the team, he'd come whoop their ass. So, He's a huge MMA fan, so he'll always call me down for the games. They put me up in the Jumbotron a couple times, open the door for the Panthers and stuff. And then anytime the Bruins come down, um, you know, I hit up Marshawn sometimes, hit the games up. And then if the Sabres come play the uh, Panthers, then, you know, uh, Jack Eichel too. So I, I'm huge into hockey. I love it. But, uh, you know, right now I'm obviously focused on this fight and uh, my next victim, Damon Jackson. So.
All right, well, Charles, I appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing this. Hey, I appreciate you. All right, we're joined by UFC heavyweight Jared Mandera, who's back in action here pretty soon. Jared, how's it going, man? Uh, I'm exhausted. Uh, training this morning was just pretty rough. Uh, got home, about to have lunch in a couple minutes, and then go teach. A busy day for you, then. Uh, it's actually it's just a typical day for me. Uh, this fight against uh, Romanov, like five months after your last fight, like was this the right time frame for you to return, or is this sooner than you thought? This is later. I wanted to return like two days after the last fight. <laughs> like I was just like, okay, this is a lot of downtime. Uh, but no, it's you know I wasn't expecting Romanov though. Uh, like I had. Like, I had one win over Tapa. Not to say he was, like, bomb the barrel, but, you know, he's not a top, you know, level guy, you know. But then they are like, you want Romanov? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, I'm, like I said, I'm not scared to go against anyone. But Romanov being 14-0 and 3-0 and and in his last three UFC fights, I mean, the dude should be, you know, like it should have been him and Aspinall versus instead of like maybe Sergey Polshkovich. I know uh, Spivak stepped in last minute, uh, but like you know, like someone like on that caliber. You know, like Tom has like what three or four fights himself. You know, Romanov. You know that one would have made a bit more sense, I thought. But hey, maybe just a lot of people are scared of Romanov and. Mom didn't raise no bitch, and here I am. Uh, that's actually what I was going to say. Like, because uh, to me, I thought Romanov would get maybe someone in that top 15 area. Like, do you think like uh, people turn him down? Like, that's how you got the fight, or do you think this was the fight they wanted to make? I don't know, to be honest with you. I think it might be a lot of people turn him down. Just because, like, I do get messages saying, like, oh, you know, you know why are you fighting Romanov? Like, like, and I kind of get it. Like, I, like he's he's kind of up there. He's not in the rankings, but he's damn near knocking on doorsteps. And I think, yeah, it's just I think, you know, some people were scared to fight him. And, yeah, I'm I'm not. What have you made of his run so far in the UFC? Because he was pretty dominant against Roque Martinez and DeLima. And then his last fight was like a really weird one where it was pretty close against Espino. And then they go to a decision. I, I Honestly, I wouldn't even call it close. I've watched that fight multiple times. And I had Espino winning. Like, yeah, Romanov got him down a few times. But so did Espino. Espino actually had more takedowns than Romanov. It was two to three, I think, by the end of the fight. And to be honest with you, that ball shot was not that hard. I've watched it a few times. Like, I'm just like, like, I'm not saying he needed, like, he could have used his five minutes. But to call the fight, and I I honestly thought Spina won that fight. I've actually talked to a few fighters that were on that card and after that fight, and they kind of think, it was due to Romanov, like, his cardio, and he was slowing down. Like, do you think there's something to say to that where maybe he took away out because he was slowing down a lot, or, or do you not really think about any of that? Okay, so I would be the devil's advocate here with with that. 
I've had a really bad weight cut. It was, I think, my last fight at 205 uh, as an amateur. I got kneed in the balls so damn hard that my coach at the time would joke and goes, I've never seen someone's ball fly across the ring. You had to go pick it up and swallow it back. Be, like, it actually broke my cup. Now, with the bad weight cut, the damage went even further. Like, it, it really messed me up internally. And, you know, I tried to continue the fighting. Eventually was, you know, a loss. Uh, the nut shot damaged me uh, from from continuing. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, I go to the hospital the next day. Like, my whole groin was swollen type of, like, craziness. And I just remember after I got hit and tried to continue, my cardio was shot. Everything was gone. So, did Espino's knee hit that hard? I can't say. My balls weren't the one hit. But, I mean, we've all seen a hard knee and a soft knee. That didn't look like a hard knee. Uh, but if Romanoff had a bad cut, he was he's two two and a half or two rounds in, and his cardio is depleted. And so you you like, and then he takes the nut shot. At that point, you know you you're just gr- like grasping on straws to continue. So, devil's advocate between a bad weight cut, I'm assuming, being tired and the ball shot was what did it for him. Uh, how do you see this fight playing out? Because Romanov's like a really grinding style. Like he just wants to get you down to the ground and kind of, it's pretty similar to what speed, like Spivak style. Yeah. Uh, now I, I think Rome Romanov is a bit more, I wouldn't say dangerous. So like he tends to just continue with the shots. He, he's a, he chain wrestles would be more of a proper word. He chain wrestles. He he dives for shots. Like he he relies solely on his uh, wrestling price. Now that's I mean, granted, kind of going into that. You know, we're doing a lot of wrestling, defense, all that fun jazz when it comes to you know some of like Romanov. He hasn't changed his style in God knows how how many fights. You watch Romanoff, you're never like, damn, look at that jab set up. He's setting up that jab quick. Oh, that body kick's looking clean. No, you're looking at Romanoff. It's like, he's going to eat you. Run. like, And he's been very consistent with that style. So, And then my wrestling coach really took a like a dedicated like look at this. He was like, he wrestles this way. He does this. Like, he, like, and he, he being a D1 wrestler, uh, you know, getting pretty damn close to the fi- uh, D1 uh, finals type of thing. Like, dude just pushes me all the goddamn time. I'm, I'm actually fucking over it. I'm over fucking wrestling. Uh, but, like, obviously, you kind of have to do that for the sport. Uh, now, going into this fight with his style – and kind of, you know, looking back on the reflections of the Spivak fight, you know, I, I just kind of wish that I'd never, like, 
going to that fight mentally played that his grappling was just out of this world and I basically hindered my grappling against his because there was definitely moments where I was like I could have done a lot more but I was like oh my god I'm I'm on the ground he's realizing it wasn't that amazing and you know I think if I keep that same idea of you know I want to get speed back and I sell myself short. If I go in there thinking, oh, Romanoff's this guy that can't not be stopped, that's what's going to cause me to lose. Not necessarily. And honestly, watching his match with Spino, he got taken down, like I said, three times. I mean, don't get me wrong. Your ass ain't going to see me shooting double legs. <laughs> <laughs> nah, like, you ain't going to see me shooting a double leg, but you are going to see me at least do something about it. You know, I'm not going to, I don't need to, you know, wrestle and take him to the ground. I could beat him up on the, on the feet, you know, and if I could keep it on the feet, that's where I would like to keep it. But I also like, I need to like reiterate sometimes to myself and to kind of like people that don't know me, I'm a black belt and I could do shit on the ground if I need to. And, yeah, the Spivak fight, you know, didn't go as planned. And, you know, fuck it. That one's back there. Now, I get if I have to go to the ground with Romanoff, it's not going to be the same shit the Spivak fight happened. I'm taking an arm, a leg, a neck. It's going to be, you know, displayed across my living room. Taking it home with me, like. And I'm going to show a lot of people that, yeah, I could hang on the ground with, you know, high-level wrestlers. Is this a fight you kind of – I know more times than not when you win, it's by knocker. Like, is this one you think – or, like, I know you're obviously just focused on getting the win, but are you trying to get that first UFC finish as well? Uh, Yeah, no. I mean, if I could get the finish, cool. Like, uh, I think the finish would definitely come more in the later rounds. I mean, obviously, looking at the you know his last fight, later rounds would be ideal. But if if not, you know, I just need to do enough to keep him off of me, make him do more work, tire him out, and you know, do enough damage that you know rounds one through three have me winning. Well, what do you think a win over Romanov does for you and puts you in this division? I think I think it really does open me up. Uh, I, I won't say I cracked the top 15, but I definitely would be facing a gatekeeper to the the uh, top 15, uh, such as maybe Tanner Bozner, uh, Andre Orlowski, you know, someone that caliber, maybe even Alexi Linux. You know, uh, someone in that that category, I might be facing sooner than later. Uh, I know you work with Dan Henderson a lot. Like, uh, who are the main guys you work with? Because I know like Sam Alvey's there. I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't Dominic like? Isn't he out in Vegas now? Uh, I really. So actually, right now, uh, it's been very fucking hectic. I don't have. Okay, so Dominic has kind of been MIA since uh, his last fight with uh, Jerry. Uh, 
I don't say anything. That's between him. He could be training, doing his own thing. But you know, and he he knows that he has, I, he has my support. Whatever he's doing. Um, now all my main training partners have moved. Uh, my boy Jamal Vegas. Uh, he's a a light heavyweight I train with. Uh, he's moved to Vegas. Uh, Sam is. Move, he moved to Tennessee after his last fight. Yeah. Um, Dan, you know, he, he's 50 years old and a buck 80, a buck 90, if that. Uh, so I've been working with my wrestling coach a lot because he's about 290, 6'2". So, I mean, he's he's definitely the body type for Romanoff. Uh, I'm... He has a few bigger guys that he'll bring in um, to help, you know, give me different looks. But yeah, for the most part, I don't have that many heavyweights. Uh, he, you know, he's he he. My wrestling coach does the best what we could do. We have a few guys that are on the bigger side that know what to do, but I usually see him maybe once a week. But for the most part, it's just me and him. And uh, I've been working with Helio for. The jiu-jitsu aspect and the wrestling aspect with Brandon, they've been we've just been drilling, drilling, and then striking. I do predominantly just pad work with my coach Zach, and it's always been suffice. Uh, just last thing, you get your hand raised here. Like you hoping one more and fight this year? Oh yeah, I would love to fight. I would like to actually get on a pay per view card. Yeah. I don't care if I'm on the bottom of it. I I would just like to have that, you know, you know, fan. Like, you know, I'm sure everyone wants to fight in front of fans now. And I know the Apex is going to have a small group. But, you know, have that full arena. Uh, you know, that's what I want. Like, that feel is going to be spectacular. All right. Well, Jared, I appreciate the time as always. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it.